0: You're listening to The Hustle Podcast, stories for startups and innovators. Find out more on www.gohustle.co. Fintech is one of the fastest growing sectors in technology at the moment and grabs quite a lot of the headlines. However, RegTech, technology that helps finance companies when it comes to financial regulation and compliance, is also making waves within the finance industry. One of those companies, headed by its founder, Irishman Andrew White, is looking to take on an industry still stuck with Excel spreadsheets and old internal systems. FundApps is aiming to bring their brand to the aid of a sector already going through big changes. And I'm delighted that Andrew joins me on the line now from London. Andrew, you're very welcome to the show. Thank you very much. For those of us out there who don't know what FundApps does, tell us what you do.
1: Um, in a word, we, we take away the the aches and pains that every uh, financial institution has nowadays, which is generally around compliance and regulation. Uh, regulation and compliance are getting more difficult year in, year out. Uh, it changes quicker, it's more complex, it requires more data. So all the things that, that banks and financial institutions are really bad at, like change and keeping up to date with things is exactly what we do so in a nutshell the financial institution will send us their their holdings their positions we'll apply whatever uh, regulations need to be monitored to us and they can log into our dashboard and see where any of their position or portfolios have any uh, positions that need to be disclosed, to the regulator, or any issues that need to remediate, or uh, you know, mobile enables and all web, web, uh, web two point So, that the the don't need any IT infrastructure, any uh, A servers because it's all done in the cloud?
0: And where does the story of this all begin? Where how did you start off with this?
1: Um, I, I'm a little bit of a, a chief, so I've I've been doing compliance and regulation since uh, since the late nineties. Yeah, I'm that old. Um, and. <laughs> basically I, I worked for another software company i created a piece of software for them where it was it did kind of similar stuff to to what we do nowadays but it was all done on premise so every single financial institution had to buy lots and lots of servers and install databases and, and keep you know everything up to date and the other uh, tricky thing or the thing that really pushed me over the edge was that um, you know we can move the servers onto the cloud which gets rid of the need for for your technology the thing about regulation is everybody has to do it the same way. It doesn't matter if you're, you know, if you know a UK asset manager or a German hedge fund. The, the regulation, the SEC regulations, apply equally to you. So it seemed to me crazy that everybody was reinventing the wheel and coding these regulations. So I said, if I can get a, a team of, of compliance and regulatory experts and lawyers together and, and put them beside the software, then I can offer a truly a, a service to the industry, not just software. So. We have the software, we have the hosting, we keep it up to date, but we also have a team of regulatory experts that will then make sure that their software is doing what the current state of regulation requires. So it really just was a, a seeing what the cloud could do and, and, and jumping on it.
0: And how did you kind of how did you develop that? Because I'd imagine there's huge amount of data and all of those kind of things that need to go into making something like this mm. and making sure that, for obvious reasons, that it functions properly because you can't just... Walk through the door and hope that it works.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, it's not quite the, the same as if your granny can't load a download a photo of a cash from <laughs> Facebook. <laughs> uh, this this needs to work. So, yeah, I mean, there's there's two kind of things for that. Is is one, uh, nobody. We're, you know, we're a reg tech company, a, a kind of section of fintech. So nobody leaves college wanting to do a reg tech. You know, even some fintech might be slightly cooler in you know the transfer wise this world, but. For reg tech, you really need to know the, the regulations and know the pain that the industry has because otherwise you're not going to dream of solving it. So for me, it came from many years of of seeing all this. So when we launched the products or launched the, the company, there was no real, none of this normal product market fit. It wasn't that we developed something and, and we're looking for uh, something to buy us. We literally knew laser-focused what the problem was and we, we knew who to target. M- my previous life, I'd dealt with most of these people before. So for us, it was literally a case of getting get in front of these people demonstrate the product show how superior it is show them that they can get rid of all their their, their servers and it technicians and use us so but as you said it's 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 the financial institutions they're, they're quite conservative bunch so for us it wasn't like uh, you know somebody will take a trial or you know it's only two quid so it doesn't matter if it doesn't work so for us there's a lot of persuading people that this is a viable solution and it's going to do the job so It was a very long sales cycle, shall we say, for the first first few clients to really convince them. And and obviously, since then, the more and more clients we've won, the more our reputation precedes us and the people are comfortable doing business with us.
0: Was it an even more difficult sale sale when you might have some people in the room uh, whose jobs might not might be obsolete after they use this?
1: (laughs) Yeah, good question. So. Uh, we we do we do say that there's definitely an element of turkey's voting for christmas when it comes to us but yes that if the, if if banks do rationalize and, and you know look to save costs but yes without doubt, our service does obviate the need, need for for teams of people in excel downloading data from the internet and running macros and calculations but i think as we all know there's there's always enough work to go around it just it requires the right people so what we always say and it is true is that okay the the people might have been concentrating on just getting the data into a spreadsheet and calculating it and running macros, but now they can really concentrate on the stuff that humans are good at, which is looking for patterns, looking for trends, looking for you know errors and all that kind of stuff. So it depends who we talk to. Certainly in some companies, there is, there's definitely a need for less people, and that is a cost save. They're generally reallocated to other departments. And in some cases, it's the existing people just have a lot easier job, and they can spend their time looking at more high-level stuff than just the nitty-gritty of getting the job done.
0: And how do you go about, I suppose, uh, expanding the company as well? You've grown over the past couple of years and, mm. you know, it's, it can be easy to, I suppose, keep doing the same thing, but that doesn't really work when you also have to grow and employ people and move to new offices and do all these things as well. So how have you, <laughs> how have you made sure <laughs> that you're you're still at the top of your game through all of that?
1: Good question. I mean, so one fact about us is we're, we're completely bootstrapped. We, we've never taken a penny of funding, so it's all been grown organically, that the first client paid us the amount of money that would hire the first staff member, and so we carried on. So for us, it's always been a very win a client, uh, hire some people, et cetera, et cetera. So it's never been a, you know, whatever Facebook style, tripled tripled in size in one month or one year kind of thing. For us, it's always been relatively organic, but that's not to say that, you know, we've gone through, I think, six offices in the last seven years. We've gone through, we've gone from, one to 35 people and all these kind of things and i think that's the, the challenge of growth is making sure that you're all as you said uh, you're not just doing the same old things and you're constantly looking to optimize and i say that's one of my kind of strengths and passions that i'm always looking at how we're doing business and working out could we do it better whether that's from our office management to sales to development i'm always looking at ways to improve because the last thing we want to do is turn into one of these large software companies or financial institutions that needs a thousand people just to do something relatively simple. So it's, it's always remaining critical critical eye on business and making sure you're not out from awesome stupid. Or if I see people copying and pasting data for an hour, I'm <laughs> saying, why, why are you doing that? Why can't we automate that?
0: <clears throat> Was there never a temptation to, to get uh, funding? I mean, even after maybe three years, you would have had a good track record and said, look, we've got three years mm-hmm. behind us a couple of million would get us to where we are, you know, in 12 months.
1: Yeah, um, it, was, it was funny because the, the, the first VCs kind of only found out about us where, you know, we were fairly under the radar. Reg tech is not sexy, B2B wasn't sexy at the time. It was, you know, and then suddenly out of the woodwork, they all came like, oh, yeah, we want to get into B2B, we want to get into regtech. So. Mm-hmm. For us, it was like by the time people found out about us, and we we weren't obviously looking, so by that time we were already multiple million pounds in revenue, and we were kind of like we're already growing at a lick, and and, and assigning new clients at a rate that you know we're already got more than enough money to fund ourselves, so we didn't really need to see that need that kind of cash injection. Uh, and secondly, I mean, for us, uh, our, our our reputation is, is pretty much the most important thing we have. It's a SaaS service. If a customer doesn't like the service or doesn't get value, they turn it off. So for us, it's like, you know, if we were to do the classical, just hire 100 people, loads of salespeople and develop stuff and get client services, people that haven't got a clue, you know, clients soon smell that kind of bad service element, especially if they've known us for a while. So for us, it was about you know remaining authentic and being able to provide good service that would be very difficult certainly if you're trying to double or triple year on year so for us it was remain remain high quality and, and don't make sure we're hiring well because that's at the end of the day the most important thing you can do is hire good people hmm.
0: you're based in london um but as many people can tell that's not a london accent so how did you how did you end up in london and why did you decide that london was the place to uh, bring up fund apps
1: <laughs> good question so so i i graduated from from college in the 90s in dublin and, and couldn't get a job for love nor money uh which is, is ironic now because I, I had a computer science degree <laughs> um I, I think i'd have a better chance nowadays so i i went to work in switzerland uh and they paid me lots of money in a private bank and i decided switzerland was too boring and moved to germany and then lived there for a while and then over a while rise hmm, probably germany's a bit boring too so Eventually moved back to Dublin. Didn't settle in. Didn't really see the kind of big opportunity. This was Celtic Tiger time, so I moved to London back in 2005 or six, and I've been here ever since. And you know, uh, it's without doubt, without using that the horrible ecosystem word, but it is. There's, there's everything going on here from VCs to you know software developers to you know industry people that really know what they're doing. Whereas. For Dublin, for, for, for fintech, for B2B fintech, there are obviously lots of institutions in the IFSC, but for us, you know, we do have, you know, 100 hedge funds within Stone's Throw and half the managers and banks. So for us, it's just about having the, the target market within easy reach, even if it does cost a fortune to, to rent office space here.
0: Hmm. <laughs> uh, don't worry, I don't think it would be different in Dublin either. Um, yeah, probably not, <laughs> yeah. Um, and we had uh, a company on uh, our show uh, the other day uh, Flender who are a crowd lending platform um, and okay. they, they kind of mentioned that one of the things that they're finding is people within the I suppose the the institutions of the finance industry the main street high street banks and so like that they're actually yeah. coming in through their door going have you guys got any jobs here because we see what you do and it's really exciting it's disrupting what we're doing what we're <laughs> doing inside in the bank and stuff like that do you find that as well particularly in the area that you are in London
1: yeah, I mean, we we uh, I have to uh, tell my salespeople to be a little bit um, wary when somebody's really really keen on us. I said, obviously, it's a possibility that they just want to buy a product. The other is, it's possible that one or two people in the room really want a job. Uh, obviously, yeah, if you're fairly young and you've been working in a bank for two years, and suddenly the the allure of the the, the dollar is no longer that exciting, and you want to work on something new, then suddenly, yes, you do get a lot of bankers suddenly wanting jobs. So without doubt, I see a huge transformation in the city. I mean, I, uh, I I was at a recruitment event at Imperial College here in London last year, and there was the pretty much global head of recruitment for a very, very large investment bank. And he was crying into his coffee about not being able to hire anybody because, you know, all the cool kids got want to go work for Facebook and Google. The, the other set of kids want to start set up their own startup, and the other set of kids want to go and, and work for a startup. So that kind of the reasons for working for a bank have got less and less. They're not financially stable, some of them. They're not kind of interesting technology-wise. So uh, the industry really is tip- tipping from the banks no longer have that that dollar or the gold bars that people used to see. So it's, I think, a, a nice inversion of how, how things are, that the startups now are, are more powerful than a lot of the, the, the mid-banks that are not really that attractive anymore.
0: Hmm of course in a, an air of talking quite a lot about brexit these days as well uh, mm. and britain leaving uh, the eu um, considering that yes. uh, london is of course the powerhouse uh, of finance etc not only for britain but generally around europe as well um, yeah. is that a concern for you for naps? um that's yeah, a question i
1: mean other than just finding it absolutely mental and and, and <laughs> stupid uh, the decision um I'm not going to beat around the bush. There, um, One has to get on with things. I think, from a business point of view, um, we're not a regulated entity. We don't need regulator approval. That means we we can be wherever we want to be. Our software is bought by the same customers around the world. Mm. Um, to be honest, uh, that means that UK regulation will change is good for us because that means that you know regulation changing is is work that we have to do to provide to our client. So that that that's a positive i think that the, the ultimate negative is yes london does lose its appeal for future generations of of developers and people that want to come and, and you know see the bright lights big city and i think you know that that's the people that are also here as well and maybe people that you know before would have said you know london's great until i'm turned 40 but some of them now are maybe thinking well maybe i'll go back and live in barcelona or maybe i'll go back to poland because you know london's not quite as exciting as it was but to be honest, they haven't quite transpired. London still feels, to be honest, pretty much the same. Mm. Um, whether that will be like that when Brexit truly happens, if it does, uh, I don't know. But it, it certainly, for us as a company, it hasn't hasn't been a huge problem at all.
0: And what about yourselves there at uh, FundApps? What's the what's the future plan as well? I mean, you've done fantastic things over the past six or seven years. Um, is there plans for perhaps FundApps in other Parts of Europe or other parts of the world where there's a, a heavy onus on finance?
1: Yeah, I mean we, we are the good thing about our product is it, it is um, a global. it can be used globally. Um, we do have customers in about 12 countries: Canada, U.S, Brazil, uh, Switzerland, Netherlands, Australia, uh, even even the Middle East. so we, we do have client bases. Um, we do have an office in New York, so we opened up an office end of 2016. We have uh, three people there now. Uh, So for us, that's kind of the two big financial centres covered with with London and and, and New York. Um, There's definitely ideas, Okay, foothold in Asia, maybe an office in Singapore, New York will make sense uh, maybe in the next year or two. Um, But other than that, yeah, it literally is just about land grab and, and, and hopefully convincing more and more financial institutions that... You know, give outsourcing this this job to a third party is it makes a lot of sense and will make them more efficient and save a lot of money in the long run by not having to code it all themselves in house. So for us, it's really just about expanding and really, you know, we're still despite having good growth, we're still really early days when it comes to market penetration. There's you know probably five to ten thousand possible customers out there. Where we're still mid-30s in our customer base, so we, we need to get at least 10% of that, that total market. So that's going to be a lot of, a lot of work before we get there.
0: Hmm. And what about yourself as a, as a CEO? You've been doing it uh, for seven years now. Have you uh, noticed a, a change perhaps in your, your management style, etc., through, through those seven years as to when you started off in your first year as to where you are now?
1: Wow, I'm probably the wrong person to ask that. Maybe my, my wife or some of my staff would be better. But uh, uh, without players, I mean, I think one one thing is clear. You know, when you when you start a startup, it's not because you want to be a millionaire. It's because you, you see an, a problem that you think you can solve better than anybody else. So it comes from a place of huge focus and passion and, and drive. And that needs to carry you through all those years. But obviously, it, you know, if you were to be that passionate every day of the week, you you probably burn out too early. So for me, it's about being sustainable. Um, you know, without the Irish, like all those stories about entrepreneurs is true. I worked, I worked every weekend for the first two years and was working late nights. And you know, it was it was part passion, part part I had to do it to build a business. So I think nowadays it's turning more into okay. Um, I still do occasional late nighters a weekend, but it's more about finding better balance. Whether that's with sports or going out, uh, and making sure that I'm able to t- switch off, which definitely early days I wasn't good at. And the other thing is when you're a small company, you do everything yourself from from making the tea to ordering toilet roll and Ocado to, you know, coding. So as you grow, that just doesn't work anymore. So it's been about finding people that you can entrust with doing parts of that. And, and that's a, a great experience. It's tricky. Uh, a, you have to find the right people and B, you have to, Learn how to coach them without stepping on their toes too much and then basically get out of their way as they, they do the job. And that's been, I think, a, a great learning experience to see people we've hired maybe a year or two out of college suddenly become either mature developers or client support people and basically leading an entire department. So that, that that's, I think, a very rewarding part of management so that, you know, entrepreneurs get to see that I'm not, I can't do everything myself. But let's get, let them be able to do it.
0: Yeah, and is, that, is that's the, the value of, of team then, isn't it? I mean, you can't do it on your own, but you need to hire people in that perhaps are better at things than, than what you are, so to make the company function, to make it grow.
1: Absolutely, yeah. Uh, that's a, a first realisation that you make when you've got money is like, okay, I can carry on working myself into a ground or I can hire somebody to start doing this part of the job that I'm no longer able to do or I'm not very good at. So, yeah, also admitting that, yeah, you're not perfect. <laughs>
0: If people want to find out more about FundApps, what you guys do, perhaps how they can use them in their own business as well or their own financial institution, how do they do so?
1: Easy enough. uh, www.fundapps.co, yes.co, not .com, not CO UK. Um, And pretty much all our services are on there. There's some videos on there as well. Um, So I think that that's normally enough for most people to get an idea of what we do.
0: Absolutely fantastic. By the way, is your... The FundApps itself, is it is it a bespoke platform where people can kind of pick and choose things, or do you have like a universal one-size-fits-all, or is that even possible within the financial
1: instances? Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a one-size-fits-all uh, That was an area decision, so it is standardized products. The, the input is a, is a single XML file that's well-defined that the customer has to fill in with their data on a daily basis and send to us. But basically, once that file is is created from the customer side and they just send the file to us and everything else is is completely standardized and they just log in and view the
0: results. Fantastic. Andrew White, CEO of FundApps. Thank you very much for joining us on The Hustle Podcast. Thank you very much for having me. You're listening to The Hustle Podcast. Stories for startups and innovators. Find out more on www.gohustle.co.